It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Ya lo hace. Pierna derecha, directo al arco. Golazo. The world of football with a soccer perspective. This is Soccer Today with Dwayne Mullins and Kevin Laramie, live on the Sports Podcasting Network. Good day, good night, welcome to Soccer Today for Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. I'm Kevin Laramie, joined by Dwayne Rollins, as always. And Dwayne, the worst kept secret in Major League Soccer over the last few days was what was announced earlier today. Bob Bradley is now in charge in Toronto. All our Bradleys are belong to us. <laughs> Bradley is, I guess, the new uh, the new Canadian most popular last name. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and as someone so kindly pointed out to me, that meme I just referenced is probably older than some players in Major League Soccer now. So if you don't get it, well, you know, you're young. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, worst kept secrets. <laughs> the way to put yeah, it. Uh, exactly. So we're going to talk about Bob Bradley today, of course. But also later on in the show, we're going to talk about Nashville and Orlando. What a night for Honey Mokhtar and... Uh, the defense of Orlando did not have such a great night. We'll talk about that win of Nashville and, of course, about that nil-nil victory. And, of course, the shootout, which saw Real Salt Lake win a playoff game without having a shot, not just on target, without having a shot, period, which is the first time in MLS history this happens in the playoffs. Yep, it's happened without a shot on target before. Yeah, we well but <laughs> in Toronto in 2016, uh, I was there. But this is the first time no shot period were registered by a team, which which takes a lot of talent. Congratulations, Real Salt Lake. Yeah, that's it. Is just absolutely bizarre that they didn't even put one over the goal. I mean, how is that? Happen? Like nothing close to the net. No shot were directed towards the net. From like 30 yards on, it's insane. It uh, gives another indication to parking the bus because it's literally parks the bus, but you forget to bring any offense whatsoever and you still eliminate a dynasty. Anyways, we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But 
that's your show for you today. Yeah, absolutely, though. Uh, look, seven of what is it? Seven of the eight games. Well, not eight games. How many games were there? There were eight uh, games, there was, right? Yeah. There were six games in the first round, and five of the six were won by the home team, except the last one, which was won, of course, ooh, by Justin Glad, which hit it. Stephen Fry stopped it. Anyways, we'll get back to that later. But it was the first upset in this year's playoffs. Yeah, and look, uh, Seattle, look, when you're going to be in the playoffs as much as Seattle is, and you know, they've had great success, obviously. You're occasionally going to have something like this happen. Like, it happens, right? Like, that's what makes the sport wonderful. Oh, yeah, we and all... we'll, we'll talk about the choice of lineup and how how Brian Schmetzer treated this game because maybe there's an indication of what happened there. And so here's a here's a little teaser of a great conversation Dwayne and I are going to have in a few minutes. But, Dwayne, it was announced earlier today that Bob Bradley... We'll be joining TFC not only as a manager, but also as general manager. Yesterday, well, just the day before, it was announced that general manager Ali Curtis will not be back. Yesterday was announced that Javier Perez will not be back as manager of TFC. He was also interim and was given the reins of the team until the end of the season. Season now being over. Bob Bradley's name earlier today, he becomes the newest General manager also, or sporting director in this case, and manager. And this is his 10th team as a manager in his pro career. And it was, yes, the worst kept secret in town. He becomes the manager of his son, Michael Bradley, who's a captain of TFC, of his brother who works behind the scenes for the club too. So the Bradleys are Torontonians. Grandpa Bradley is now in charge. What is your first thought on this official now appointment? Yeah, well, he's, he, I think Michael's got a sister that lives in BC too. So, like, they're just completely Canadian now. At any rate, uh, one of them odd... is going to eventually uh, probably try to get an office somewhere and like work in politics. Who knows? I can see Michael Bradley running for like mayor of Toronto in ten years. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you can actually vote as mayor as an American citizen if you live in the city of Toronto. Little known fact. So, anyway, uh, next year's the election. We should really make some good choices there. But I'll, I'll leave you alone on that. Oh, oh, Look, oh please do. Please do. But move yeah. on. Move on. You want to have a municipal politics conversation? No. No one wants that. Uh, anyway, what about But we thoughts? should, because that's the actual level of politics we should really pay attention to. Oh, but- you're 100% right. Yeah. And, and I'm always a big advocate for that. But, but to be serious and back on point here, my thoughts on, on Bob Bradley, I was about to say Michael, Bob Bradley taking over are it's hard to separate like today from previous days because this is something that's been ruminating for a while. Uh, there were some talks about Andre Pirlo. We, we reported that at the time. I think they did have a conversation with him that, you know, Bill was in Turin. Yes, and uh, for, for multiple things that we'll know if it actually happened too. We're talking about Sebastian Javinko, which he has been seen in Toronto over the last few weeks, sometimes at field sometimes at other places so we'll see but yes you're right yeah and well and and Jarenko owns a home here still so so it's not that weird that he's around but nonetheless you're right um look i think it's the right choice for a lot of reasons it makes a lot of sense obviously having michael here helps anyone who thought that there was any possibility that michael bradley was going to be uh, given you know less and less responsibilities i think this is a little bit of a splash of water in your face of that <laughs> this is a little reality check where michael bradley will be captain and will be marshalling that midfield for the next two to three years uh, 
Look, I will argue that when Michael Bradley is uh, well-rested now, he's he's not a young player anymore, and when he is in his natural position, he still is effective as a Major League Soccer player. He's above average, in my opinion. When you watch him through the middle of the season this year, he he did he at times was their best player, which is a very low-hanging fruit in terms of 2021, but but nonetheless, he, he was um, useful at times in the summer. Now, when once he had to move back further, the season wore along and long. Yeah, there were some problems that, that were illustrated there. I can remember that goal in the, I think it was the second last game of the of the year, where he was flat footed and he got beat on the dribble real in the box as back on the bat as a center half. And clearly, that's not really his role. Now, Michael's a smart player. His dad's in town. They're obviously going to have, you know, I don't know what it would be like to have this kind of relationship with my father at this stage. <laughs> can, but can you imagine? But, you know, it might be different, though. It's probably the best timing, though, because when you're in your early 20s, it might not be the best the best thing because you're still a bit rebellious coming up from your, your teenage years, and the relationship might not be as not just friendly, but I would say cooperative at this point. Probably a great idea, and it's probably a bucket list type of thing for both of them, and they're going to get the opportunity to do so in a time frame where Toronto is in a rebuilding mode. It's yeah, probably, and I think there ahead. are people, and there is truth to this idea that they might start to evolve Michael into getting his badges and starting to emerge to perhaps be the next person, the, the first coach that Bob hires, perhaps. Now, look, I know a lot of people want that now. That's insane. It really is. Like, you do not want to put a completely green player and coach in. I don't care what his playing career was, but it's not out of the question that in four or five years or two, three years even – that you might see Michael evolve into a coaching role and it might be at Toronto. You could see this. Like he is going to be a life player here. He's not going anywhere else. They they're settled in the city. They will live in the city. Uh that's just this is just another stage in that. But in terms of a pure MLS move to bring Bob Bob in, we could evaluate that a little bit. Um his time at LAFC is I think mixed, to be fair. Uh, it did not end as well as it started. And we all know that there were some additional uh, abilities on the table, as I talk about a lot on the show in those early days. So I'm not quite sure how to figure that out. But what I will say is that this is a guy that that was able to take a guy like Mark Anthony Kay, for instance, and completely turn his position yeah. around to give him a new position and make him, you know, an all-star level player. In Major yeah, one, of the, one of the best in the league, if you're looking at a defensive midfielder in a 4-2-3-1 or a central, def- a central midfielder in a 4-3-3. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that speaks well to the ability for him to to work with younger players and and to teach younger players. And TFC does have a few interesting pieces coming, you know, that we saw at times on the field this year that didn't quite live up to the hype that they got in the preseason, but nonetheless aren't completely bust yet either. They're still young. Um, You get a Bob Bradley working with them and maybe you can hope to have them raise up a little bit, yeah. um, a bit higher. Julian Dunn comes to mind just off the top of my head. I was, I was thinking also, of course, of Perudza and what he can do with Schaffelberg. Those are great players in the midfield to striker position that could benefit from working with a Bob Bradley. Exactly. And that's an interesting um, thing to, to think about. And TFC 2 this year was a kind of bright spot in the entire system. I mean, they just missed the playoffs. It's tough to make the playoffs in that league. Uh, they finished, I believe, seventh and they needed to be top six. And, and, they and did there's so. what? There's uh, about 3,000 teams. Yeah, well, it's a little less now than in the league one, but nonetheless, it's it's fine. Yeah, there was a there was a few a few casualties of uh, the pandemic, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. And at any rate, uh, there's some pieces that were interesting there too that that might get a look, um, particularly when you look at a lot of the big salaries that they need to reduce. This is the problem. One of the 
you know, we talk about time bombs all the time in MLS because of the, the system. And the big one I talk about is the extra TAM one. But there's also, this happens in all sports to have a cap, right? Success breeds higher contracts, which eventually lead yeah. to you having to deal with them. Uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguin situation where you maybe get, may be able to keep your best two players, but you won't be able to keep the rest of the cast. So you've got guys like Rosario and Delgado that when TFC won the championships were on much lower salaries. So now you have to factor that in. And, you know, with Rosario, who has been a lifer player for TFC, uh, they have a decision to make. He's a free agent this year if they don't uh, take pick up his option. Now, I think they probably will, but it still is interesting to, to think of it that way. Delgado is another one, too. I actually like Marky Delgado. So like mm. Mark Delgado. Okay. Um, I know a lot of TFC fans still are frustrated with him at times, but... It hey, you missed you miss one penalty and, and you know. Oh yeah, it was an open net, but um, <laughs> you miss one open net and it follows you the rest of your career. And look, his role is kind of not sexy either, right? Like he's a link player and he's you know he's a central midfielder. That's that's an eight. At any rate, I think he does it well when he does it well. But he, at five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you go. I don't know. So they have decisions to make like that. And if they get rid of that, then TFC is going to have a pretty blank slate to start buying players, and they could potentially mm -hmm. have three DPS. Um, I don't know. We, Pozuelo, we don't know. I mean, he, he, uh, it's public now what happened in this year. He, he, people knew this, but it wasn't made yeah. public. So we mm -hmm. did stop saying it. He had a separation and his, yes. his wife separated. So that obviously emotionally took a toll on him this year. Um, he feels that he's better for that now. We don't know whether that will be back or not. You know, and also, uh, we also don't know if he's injured or not. Uh, we don't have a confirmation, but he did leave the game against Montreal, and he was also not necessarily fit the last few weeks before that. So there's also a health situation when it regards to Pozuelo for the offseason. Yeah, and look, you don't want to... I'm not going to... You know, the, the personal issues you're having, we, each one's going to deal with that a little differently. Um, obviously, it affected him a great deal, and, and you feel for him. You empathize with him, so so we'll leave on that. Oh, yeah, and it's never easy. Imagine if you're not in the public eye. Imagine if you are in the public eye, how different you have to deal with those things. It's it's never easy, and it's unfortunate, but it, it is true. Uh, let's go back to Bob Bradley, Dwayne, and looking at his career as a manager. He's the new manager and sporting director That's really the role where he'll be newly judged in the sporting director aspect, and that's maybe the progression of where he wants to bring his career. There's no data for a sporting director for him before because it's, it's yes, he was involved in L.A., but not to the level that he is now with Toronto. Here's his record as manager, Dwayne, and I think it's important to look at his overall record as manager because it does give a larger portrait and also a, a larger sample size of the data to maybe start to look at what he can bring to TFC. He had some success in Major League Soccer and he also had some failures. He had success with the Chicago Fire in uh, the beginning of his career, of course, in 98. 103-61-33, that's a win, losses, and draws. With the Metro Stars then, that's the mixed bag that starts there, 36, 37, and 27. For the Metro Stars, another mixed bag with Chivas USA, a short stint, one year only, 11 wins, 10, draws, uh, 10 losses, and 14 draws. With the Goats, back in the day, in U.S., then his stint with the U.S. Men's National Team, which he was there for multiple years, for the three wins, 25 losses, and 12 draws. Then his stint with Egypt, which was his most successful national team stint and maybe managerial stint at that point. And that's about uh, eight, nine years ago. Egypt, 22 wins, eight losses, and six draws was really close to bringing this team to 
the World Cup to the promised land. And of course, some upheaval in the early part of the last decade in Egypt uh, spelled the end of that part of his career. Then he moved with Stabak, 38-23-11. Then Le Havre in French, which was another short stint. It was successful, which propelled him to have a better opportunity. With Le Havre, it was 17-10-10, which then brought him to the Premier League, which was his biggest role. As a manager in the biggest league, he was with Swansea. Swansea was in a higher moment, in a higher wave of success than they are right now. Of course, now they're in the championship. But Swansea was in the Premier League at that point, And he was fired after only 11 games, going 2-7-2 in league play. And was a disappointment for Swansea fans. And then, of course, since 2017 with LAFC, 68 wins, 40 losses, and 34 draws, Dwayne. Yeah, Bob Bradley at Swansea is obviously the story that most people that don't follow MLS that closely are going to think of the most, and, and it certainly wasn't his best period of time. Now, he made the fatal mistake at Swansea of being American. Uh, that didn't help oh, yeah, him at all. Right? That, that's, of course, because that was pre-Ted Lasso. Imagine yeah. now, that would be a totally different story. Yeah, he, you know, he said PK in, a, in an interview once, and they still talk about it. I mean, it's funny you know, because now they all watch Ted Lasso. I, I'm kidding, but you know how how better of a chance Jesse Marsh is going to get in a few years when he goes to the Premier League than than Bob Bradley got? Yeah, well, probably yeah. Now, look, that said, he didn't do well on the pitch, and Swansea did improve when they they changed it out there. So, so he obviously had some learning there. Um, his time in Egypt is the one that fascinates me the most. And I've heard him talk about that period of time. He, he's interesting. He's a smart, thoughtful guy. The Bradleys are all like, say what you want about them. They're, they're smart people. They're, they're thoughtful people. They're, they're people that don't necessarily take the normal straight line. And that sometimes I think runs them afoul of like pure job culture. They don't fit in it quite in the same way. So I'm interested to have him here. What I'm also interested in when you're looking at purely from a Toronto perspective right now is how work with bill manning bill manning is not a typical president he most presidents are you know they go shake hands uh, shake babies whatever they do to get money <laughs> please to get please please don't shake babies okay you can shake hands but just kiss babies don't shake the babies yeah exactly but they're you know most presidents are more of a business role. bill manning has a big business role and of course he's also the president of the argonauts as well the cfl uh, um the, so the, the, the who yeah, the Argos. Anyway, oh no, so, oh oh, okay, yeah. I'm just saying who because I I see a lot of uh, of empty seats when they play. Yeah, they they're not the most popular team in town, so that's a that's a tough role for him too. Uh, you know, he has to do all of the sponsorship for the stadium, like stadium signage. You know, like how the corner is by like whatever insurance company of the week they have, or you know, Ford in another corner, or whatever. Like that's his big job, but he's also a, a president that likes to dip his toe in the player acquisition side of things. Uh, so whether or not Manning is willing to step away from that a little bit will be interesting to see. He's always either had a guy like Bezbachenko who was sort of being worked through or then he had Vanny under him. So he's always kind of tried to make this control. So it's an interesting uh, move for me for him to bring a guy like Bradley in that that clearly is going to want full control. Maybe that's yeah. an acknowledgement by Bill that he needs to step away a little bit and that's not his expertise. And maybe and that's, that's why... I'm sorry, I was just going to say maybe that's why you got someone like Bob Bradley where inherently he has to give more control to because he's just not going to take it any other way. Yeah, and that's, that's what I was going to finish in that thought is that that Bill 
the reason he's still employed and people are manning out as a things here, right? Still, the reason he's still employed is he's very good at the business side of things. Uh, he has managed to get more revenue in there than, than before. That's why they gave him the Argos file, which is their toughest file they have. Um, all of that he is successful at. He has mended uh, fences on the entire soccer community interaction a little bit more too. It's kind of a more subtle thing that you don't think of from a fan, but like they get along much better with local players than they did under previous regimes. So he does well at that side of the job where he's kind of stuck his head out a little bit and sort of been, you know, set it up to be chopped off by the fans is with the player acquisition stuff. We just talked about his trip to Turin where he's trying to find players and coaches, <laughs> right? Like that's, yeah, it's true. Well, it's a good, it's a good way to think about what this off season is going to happen. The fact that it's already set in stone that they signed that contract and they've announced it on November 24th, two days after letting go the GM and the coach is a, a sign of, we're not just going to wait and let people speculate. We're going to get to work right away. And yeah. not, and not wait for Christmas and not wait for next year and not wait for January, which you see really often. And the thing is, is <laughs> February 26th comes really quickly. And January, well, your training camp starts. You got to get your ducks in a row before that, which is now. And seeing a team like Toronto do these moves right now, before even MLS Cup's over, before the playoffs, it, regardless, it's a sign of, well... We're getting to work. And I think it's something we're going to start to see more and more in Major League Soccer. Teams using their time a bit better and not letting things slide and wait for a few weeks. Yeah, well, they're introducing him today. Like, he's here already. So that's, you know, I guess he has the advantage of having a place to stay, doesn't he? Like, just not to worry about a hotel for a month. He, he can get the guest room for a while until he finds a house. I'm sure he can <laughs> yeah. afford one. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, going to be a little bit of a uh, adjustment for the weather from what he's used to though but nonetheless from from, like, from his last from his last couple of, of stints yes exactly from uh well it's been a long time that he was in new york and in chicago since then it was la u.s which basically is just wherever you you live then egypt then then norway then france then england so yeah and then la so uh the northeastern climate hasn't been re in his recent past. Yeah, exactly. The only okay. Last thought on him. Um, I would be if I was an LAFC fan. I'd be a little bit frustrated today, though. Uh, this clearly was dealt with. Like this was getting widely reported in, with in American circles over the last month that the deal was done. The fact that they've announced it this quickly means to me tells me that yeah, it was done. So how focused he was he on that LAFC job down the end, or well, was he watching see tapes? I don't know. How, how focused were the players? Uh, did you watch Carlos Vela play when he played this year? Did you what? They got rid of Diego Rossi mid-season. The entire team wasn't focused this year. From the front office, which starts when you don't sign your coach. With six months left to go in a season. So that tells you a whole lot. And there's maybe something we don't know there. With the LAFC and Bob Bradley situation. How it ended up. We haven't heard from either side yet. So I think. It might be a chip on Bob Bradley's shoulder. In the way LAFC handled. The end of his contract. Yeah you've also got like 712 owners there. So it's got <laughs> Do you think Will Farrell answers. His LAFC emails and meetings really quickly. 
I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's hard to see if they they had a lot of money to spend and they were sexy for a while. It's going to be interesting to see where LAFC goes from here. You know, we were joking about Tato Martinez as being the next manager if he lost to Canada. Well, apparently he's still employed. So, so that's not necessarily on the table. We'll see what happens at the end of January. Uh, I think they're probably go, going to go with a Latin hire, I suspect, in, in that direction in LA. But as I said, you know, it was a team that didn't ever look like they could put it together. They had distracted stars and a, and a distracted coach, and we'll see how he does here. Um, <laughs> yeah, this at least not he won't be distracted here unless maybe his grandkids, but, you know, that's who can blame him. Yeah, I mean, if he's playing with his grandkids, that might just help him calm down a little bit. I don't know. Um, the cute kids. Anyhow, yeah, it, it's not going it, to – to me, this suggests that Toronto recognizes that this is probably a two, three-year to get back to the top situation too, that they're not looking for – a quick fix this is a, a long-term employment that they're making and and that's a good thing because you know stability worked for them under the previous regime really that's ultimately i think one of the big success points they had was that they were able to keep the same front office together for a while and when that first started to dissolve that's when things started to turn a little bit right the ali curtis era will not be looked back fondly you know it, look we haven't talked about ali curtis here but uh, he, it was like i went through a friend i think i talked about this in the show the other day i just read where i looked at every signing he made and i checked her accident and it was mostly accidents it really looked like well it didn't look like seattle last night they only missed one but nonetheless they, <laughs> they missed had a yes. lot of X's. and he just he i don't know what his his success rate really was in new york that wasn't that great either no. uh, they tried to do something a little differently i think that they thought that they could internally build they could do money ball kind of stuff and now from what I've heard is that internally MLSC goes, now we'll just give you the money again and you can spend again because they make money on TFC when they spend more money and they lose money too badly on TFC when exactly. they nickel and diamond. You, the threshold of the bottom line is high in a way that you actually need to get people in there all the time, which means that you need to, to break even, but you actually need to spend for, it's easier to spend on player than it is to spend on marketing. So it's basically, basically comes down to that. Yeah, MLSC, look, I, it's, we're a little too flippant on this sometimes, but, you know, it is. Like, a DP in MLS is essentially, you know, you're... <laughs> a, regular, a, regular, yeah, a regular player in the, the Blue Jays or uh, uh, other teams. But, you know, absolutely right. For, or, like, just a fourth fourth defenseman. Sadly, uh, they don't own the Blue Jays. The only team they don't own is... <laughs> anyway. You know what I mean. It's the same yeah. thing. But, you know, exactly. But, you know... Well, we'll see what Bob Bradley does with uh, Toronto FC in the near future, next couple of years for sure. And then who knows, he might graduate and eventually just become sporting director and have a new manager. And eventually he becomes president and eventually you get the whole hierarchy change and you get a, a, a career change for Bob Bradley down the road, which makes a whole lot of sense. Dwayne and I will take a short break. When we come back, we'll break down Nashville, Orlando, and we'll break down Seattle, Real Salt Lake. An historical night in Major League Soccer. Oh yeah, that and more after this short break. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to Soccer Today. Follow us on Twitter at SoccerTodaySPN and like our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Sports Podcasting Network. You can find the podcast version of all the shows we do on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcast. And we're back on Soccer. Today, Kev Larmy joined by Dwayne Rollins, breaking down last night's playoff game in Major League Soccer. The round number one wrapped up last night, Dwayne. We had, of course, Nashville playing Orlando in the Eastern Conference, and later in the evening, we had... Uh, we also like traveling to Seattle for the end of the Western Conference round one. Let's start with Nashville and Orlando. It was a big win for Nashville at home, 3-1. Logic was respected, but for one of the rare times since the single elimination format change that happened in 2019, this was only the ninth come-from-behind win. Usually, in the 35 games, 26 times the winner was actually coming from the opening goal, from the team that scored the first goal. Not this time around. Daryl DK opened up the scoring at the 14th minute with a great shot. Daniel Lovitz was beaten in the box, and Daryl DK put the ball in the back of the net and gave the Lions the lead, which is a rare thing to have the lead. Well, no. A lot of teams had the lead in Nashville. To keep the lead in Nashville is something different. And they learned that because just a few minutes later, Hani Mokhtar got a pretty good deflection and the mm. ball just got lobbed into the net. But he followed this with his second goal at the 74th minute and Yonder Cadiz scored the insurance goal, the third one for Nashville, in extra time. And it finished 3-1 for Nashville. Yeah, I thought Nashville was a little fortunate on the night, to be honest. But as you say, you got to make your luck sometimes. And they did get that luck to tie the game up very quickly after Orlando had taken the lead. Um, I think it had Orlando held that a little bit longer, that it might have been a little more tense in there as it was. Look, they defended well and they defended in numbers and they were able to get out and get to get the goals when they mattered. And, and they're advancing. And this is a... A very successful little, you talk about Moneyball and like smart signings and doing things on, not on the cheap, but on the smart, we'll call it. Uh, that's Nashville in a nutshell. And you've got to respect what they've done because they, they built that team very quickly in a way that is not like Atlanta, is not like LAFC, but is, is maybe more successful than yeah. more Atlanta. They won the championship, but yeah. Very smart. Getting a maybe the best defender of the league, while technically still the best defender of the league. He was a 2020 defender of the year, Walker Zimmerman. LAFC has never been the same since trading him. Let's be fair. We talked about Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley's career would have been maybe different right now if he had Walker Zimmerman the last two years. He might have had another MLS Cup or something uh, in his name. But Nashville benefited from that. And 
we've talked about this theory you know, a few times. In the playoffs in Major League Soccer, sometimes it's as easy as to look at the roster and who has the best player of these two teams. And the best player out there yesterday was Hani Mukhtar. He's the best player in those two rosters. You look at the two 18-man roster, the one name that stands out that's actually a candidate to MVP and might be the actual MVP if it wasn't for Carlos Hill having the, having the year of his life. Well, Hani Mukhtar was that player. And he was that game changer. And that was the difference last night. And that is a big factor. Let's not forget, as much as history and the reality between two teams is important, sometimes you have to look at who has the best player right now in form also in those two teams. We'll talk about that when we talk about Seattle, uh, Seattle and Real Salt Lake. But that was Hani Mokhtar. And look at the scoreboard. We got two goals. They won by two goals. That's your difference maker. Your difference is two goals. Hani Mukhtar. Um, you know, ultimately, when you strip professional uh, well, Major League Soccer down at its essence, it's not much different than your men's league or your co-ed league, right? In the sense that, think about it. I, I used to be in a league. I don't It's maybe dead now because of the plague. But when I used to play soccer recreationally on Saturday, it was a draft league. So you would go to a draft night and we'd get overserved and we'd pick players like old high school, you, 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 you. So, you know, if someone went first, someone went last always a bit of a, a long wait when you were near the bottom of that board. But at any rate, that first round was the key to who was going to win that title every year because you had to have the guy that could score. You had to have the guy that could dominate a game, right? And MLS is a lot because you have mixed bag of players. You have players that have different skill levels. So if you have a dominant player out there, if you have a player that can, can game change, then yeah, you're going to be the better team in the night most times, nine times out of ten. And generally speaking, that game changer has to be an offensive player. It has to be a goal scorer because goals change games in MLS, goals change games in any league. But as I've said many, many, many times before, bingo card time, defense doesn't win championships in Major League Soccer. Attack does, which is why I think Nashville has some work to do from here. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, they got it done last night. And oh. Orlando's from perspective from Orlando, they're terrible through the summer. They kind of turned it around a bit in the fall uh, into the playoffs. I thought maybe that with DK sort of showing some form and he got that first goal last night. I texted Kevin, actually, his name. Yeah. And Well, he was in a good form. He scored in five of his last six games. Yeah. Which is why I thought Orlando might have a chance to go deep in this because they did finally have a goal scorer and maybe they could you know, get a little bit of last year's magic back. Ultimately, when you look at what they've done over the last two years, it's much better than the previous whatever it was. But it's still got to be disappointing a little bit for them. You know, we talked about this with Minnesota yesterday, too. It's ultimately kind of seems like a step back after what looked like a step forward. You know, you go back a year and a half ago to MLS's back. Yeah, that's true. And Orlando, did they win or they were in the final? Portland won. Uh, they were. The Portland won MLS's back, but Orlando played well. And they parlayed that into a good season in 2020. And they played really well at home over the last two years under Oscar Perea. But, yeah, it's the lack of contribution of Nani over the last four months, I think, is a lot is disciplined over the last few weeks and last few games of Major League Soccer and I think we've seen the last of Nani in Orlando and that that's the whole story right there and I think the injury to Pato and the lack of other players stepping up at that point they still had a good a decent season but they wouldn't they couldn't parlay it into a regular uh, playoff results which is difficult that's single emulation, and we'll get there in a second. You get upset sometimes, and it doesn't matter what you've done in the regular season or the last five years. Any given night, a team can win if you don't have your best players showing up. 
and Nashville had their best players show up. Orlando, well, DK showed up, still on the score sheet. Mendes got close, which he did score a great goal against Montreal, but that was his first of the season. So there's still a couple players that didn't live up to their expectations for Orlando. And my preseason MLS Cup final pick, Kevin, Orlando versus Minnesota. So we can put that one out. We can put that one to rest. And uh, yes, rest in peace, Dwayne's predictions. Yeah. That's so. uh, which is, mine's been long dead. Actually, mine of last year still stands. Kansas City. <laughs> oh, yeah. Been happy. Fine. Let's talk about Seattle, Real Salt Lake for the first time in history. A team won a playoff game without having a shot, not just on target, but without having a shot, period. And on the other side, Seattle had 21 shots, only three on target, 62% possession for the Sounders. But this whole game can be some, uh, summarized by one player who got on my nerves the entire game. He made me uncomfortable on my chair. The goalkeeper for Real Salt Lake, David Ochoa, might be the least likable player in Major League Soccer right now. But at the end of the day, he made the difference. He stopped Kellen Rose shot. And Justin Glad was really happy. Some say he was even glad his shot bounced off the post and went in. And Real Salt Lake moves on. Frustrating, isn't it, Seattle fans? (laughs) My lord, that's frustrating. Frustrating. I mean, you had a lot of the ball, a lot of good opportunities. Probably should have scored something in there. Uh, they were trying to time waste two minutes into that game. It was ugly. You know, I just got done saying that, you know, attack is what wins MLS Cups. I'm not backing off that. But in a single game isolated situation, you can park the bus for, you know, it's soccer. You can park the bus for a long time and get a win. Um, RSL is going to enjoy this. I don't think it's going to go much longer. And, you know, if you are a Sounders fan, you can at least be happy that this didn't happen in the damn final because that's even more frustrating. But nonetheless, it's, uh, you know, no Sounders in the final. No Sounders on TFC. TFC has been gone for a while. But, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. But no, but uh, I want to also bring your attention to the decisions that Brian Schmetzer took for the lineup, Dwayne. Because that's where it was decided. Rui Diaz on the bench. To start this one. Surprising. But not just that. Lodero. People thought he was fitter than he was. He started on the bench and only played in extra time. He showed up like 100 minutes in. Jordan Morris played 104 minutes. That was good. Nicola Benezet had a decent game. There was a couple of injuries. And, you know, at the end of the day, the decisions taken by by Brian Schmetzer to even not start... uh, uh, Alex Roldan was also a questionable decision here. But Brian Schmetzer got in his own way, I believe, last night. Not giving Salt Lake the respect. And at the end of the day, a 4-4-2 with Pablo Mastroianni, an interim manager, with a club owned by the league, eliminated maybe the best franchise to ever play in this league. Yeah, uh, you know, I think he pulled a pap to that's the term when you start overthinking stuff in a big game. No, uh, we don't know what the health status of those guys were. You never know what kind of knocks there are hanging around uh, this time of year. Teams are, you know, vague about it, right? So perhaps he was dealing with some health concerns. You obviously, you know, if you're Seattle and you expect to win, and in their defense, they deserved the win last night. I mean, that game, you could play 10 times. You know, oh, and first of all, Ochoa stood on his head 
figuratively, literally, he got underneath the skin of all the under the skin of all the other other players on the other side. He made me angry watching. I can only imagine playing that. And Rudia shot off the post, <laughs> and that 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 was dipping in, and, and that goes in it's totally out of the game, right? So there's a a whole lot of what ifs, but at the end of the day, Real Salt Lake pulled off the only upset. And now they're going to play Kansas City in the next round. And you know what? If they can keep it all the way to late in the game and get an opportunity, who knows what they could do? You're right. Um, it seems unlikely that you're going to... It's like compounding odds, right? Like if you have a 10% chance to win a game, if you have to win that game three times in a row, your 10% chance gets down to one of my famous one percenters, right? So I wouldn't necessarily be betting the farmer in RSL. But, but they've had a... You know, they've been successful this year regardless, and this is the icing on the cake for them. And, you know, I don't think they expected to win this one. You saw how excited they were at the end of that game. Uh, it, yeah, it feels... they, uh, they, thought they, they thought they won the cup. Yeah, and to them, they might have. Um, they're realistic. Players know kind of what their cap is. They're going to go out and compete against uh, our SKC. But, you know, you talk about your home advantage. You talk about just a better team, more talented team. You know, the odds and probability are just not strong that they're going to do that again. So they, they should enjoy it. It's also a quick turnaround. Um, you know, hey, Sunday, uh, Sunday comes quickly. You're right. Which is probably why Spencer was doing some of those decisions. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But you know, it's like in baseball when you're in the playoff and you're trying not to put your, your, your best starter out there in game seven, because what if we win, we need him for game one. Well, guess what might happen? You might not win game seven, which means you might not have game number one, which yeah. is literally what happened last night. Sometimes you can put Steve Rogers out there and, uh, he can give out a home run to Rick Monday. There's a, there's a reference. Thanks. for the young. Th- thank you very much, Dwayne. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Why did you have to pick an Expos reference? You couldn't pick Bill Buckner or something else, eh? You had to pick an Expos one. I picked an Expos reference from before you were born. I still know <laughs> about Blue Monday. We all we were we were thought that in school in 1982. No, you're kidding. Let's take a look at the bracket because we have conference semis being made official now. New England Revolution versus NYCFC. Philadelphia versus Nashville, Kansas City versus Salt Lake, and Colorado versus Portland. That's your Eastern and Western semifinal, Dwayne, which leads us to our updated MLS Cup odds. And we'll have time to preview these games, but I want to bring you to the odds because odds to win Major League Soccer's trophy, the playoffs, as of today. New England Revolution still the odds-on favorite. At 362, Colorado Rapids 431. Then Kansas City vaulting from fifth favorite to third favorite at 539. Philadelphia is fourth at 633. NYCFC 845. Nashville at 9. Portland 12. And Rialto Lake at 16 to win MLS Cup. Yeah, I still like my odds on my on my uh, pre-playoff pick. I'm gonna keep playing these picks until like one plays out here. In Portland, at those odds, they, that seems good to me. But look, hey, even Portland now, it's great odds if you think they can get the job done. You get a dollar on Portland gives you twelves, which is a very high percentage. I guess the bookkeepers don't agree with you or don't think there's a lot of betters in Portland. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll have a look and see if I can put ten down on that. Um, it's not not that far out now. I don't like betting futures because your money's held up too long. But yeah, this, this might be worth a little shops there. If I put my money where my mouth is, I'll put ten dollars down in Portland to win today. 
Uh, be doing better than all my other picks this week. We're, <laughs> we're talking about that off air. It's not a good week. We'll see where the day goes. But, Dwayne, that's a fun place to wrap it up for today. Tomorrow, of course, we'll look at the weekend. We'll look at what's up with the next couple of leagues we like to follow and, of course, the playoffs. And today, we'll enjoy some Champions League. We'll talk about the Champions League results for on tomorrow's show, too. But, of course, until then, you can follow Dwayne on social media at 24th Minute, myself at Kev Larame, and this show at Soccer Today SPN, live Monday to Friday on our Twitter feed at twitter.com slash uh, Soccer Today SPN, at Soccer Today SPN. And you can find the video replay on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash sports podcasting network, website sportspodcastnetwork.com, and take a second and subscribe to our podcast page anywhere you like your podcast or your favorite podcast applications we will be there look for soccer today but as always for Dwayne Rollins I'm Kev Laramie and until next time have a great soccer you can find the podcast version of all the shows we do on iTunes Apple Podcast Google Play Store TuneIn Radio iHeartRadio and anywhere you get your podcast Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.